been a long ass week <laughs> i don't even know what i've done honestly it's getting to those points where the days are starting to kind of like meld Blur together. into each other yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah same for me i have no idea if you ask me what i did last week i'm like ah something I probably i did things like <laughs> i don't know was i alive i have yet to i so I've been spending a lot of time on Pinterest and a lot of time on Twitter. So that's okay. Pinterest is weird, but Twitter. Okay. Hey, listen, I'm going to come out of this super crafty and no one can help me (laughs) otherwise. Okay. Good luck with that. (laughs) I'll just melt into my couch slowly. It's fine. Um, we, we found like an old TV that um, hmm. I guess one of us had in a room. I don't even know. But we found it. And so mom set it up in her little painting area. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take up painting. And <laughs> okay. I'm going to binge watch so much anime that no one can tell me <laughs> otherwise. This is the truth that I <laughs> want to live. I want to revert. Like, I want to regress to my early high school Beautiful. And I need you to Beautiful. support me in that decision. I mean, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Live your dreams, man. Oh, man. It's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's that's what I know. That's what I'm becoming. That and, like, trying to... It's, it's that it's hard to look at museums in the current day and age just because like some museums are doing extraordinarily well when it comes to like engaging with audiences and mm. and trying to keep everyone interested in them and then you have other museums that are like yeah check out <laughs> our virtual tours yes pay us do you money. know the do you know the cowboy museum no. and their twitter uh, they put uh, I don't uh, I don't remember where mm-hmm. it is. It's somewhere in America, of course, in the U.S. Of course, of course. Uh, and they put in charge of their Twitter page their uh, security guard. No, and, and he is so cute and hilarious. I just I love, love him. it. <laughs> he ends his uh, every tweet with like signing his name. Oh. like it's writing a mail that's so cute and if you oh scroll God. down to like the beginning like when he actually started and how he 
got a hang of hashtags and oh my god it's just it's just so adorable we need a security guard to run our twitter i'll never be as good (laughs) oh he's so cute Alrighty, i'm gonna find that and i'm gonna retweet the hell out of him just to give him a little love oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yep see but it's stuff like that like talk about funny (laughs) yep exactly Oh my god. Some some museums do it right, man. And then there are other museums. I saw a, there are uh, it's just, you know, it's this whole concept where if you're only trying to maintain the status quo of what you of what your online presence was before all of this started, mm-hmm. I don't think you're doing enough. Yeah, I really don't think true. that you're engaging with audiences enough and I really don't think that um your you're taking this time to adapt and to demonstrate your capacity for adapting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because museums do have these great potentials to, for um, online um, presences. Oh, yeah, presences. It's it's mm-hmm. such a cool way to engage with your audiences and it's such a really like and while we talked about the fact that going online isn't the same as being in gallery yeah but it can be different and different isn't always a bad thing different can be a really awesome thing if you're willing to put the energy and time into it yeah you can be very creative with uh, what you can do with social media and your website and everything. Yeah. It's a whole new world. Whole new world. Exactly. It's um, the, the National Gallery of Australia put their entire <laughs> collection like, and have offered these virtual tours and all of these like online contents, um, which is so much fun. Job to get mm. lost through because it's you know this national collection and yeah you're just interacting and playing with everything <laughs> I love it I love it so much and I just I wish um well, that's just the last one that I was on but there are so many that you can get lost in these days and that's the kind of thing that I want to see is people actually trying to engage people to do more than just like oh well look at a virtual gallery Okay, we were doing that. We miss you. Be more engaging. Yeah. What are your curators Um, up to? Give me some curators. (laughs) Yes. Um. Well, today we're gonna talk about an article. Uh huh. It's article time. We are on article article episode. Yes. (laughs) And this is Um, really great article for both of us actually yes um i used it in my thesis you did as well right i did as well i i love this man i love this article i love this concept it's actually what i built my whole thesis around but also my life's philosophy (laughs) yes so this article is um written by richard sandell who is um well he's a professor at University of Leicester uh Leicester 
Leicester. Leicester? Yes, Leicester. Sorry. Um, and he teaches museum studies. And he uh, has written like seven books. He, um, as well as like articles and uh, has done some amazing research projects and um, even made, he's like the co-director co of his own like research center for museums and galleries. Uh, yes. He was awarded a fellowship in museum practice by the Smithsonian uh, institution he's done a lot of things man he's done a lot he's of done... really cool things and his articles yeah. are uh well written and engaging and they all focus around this whole concept of um combating social inequality or exactly. acknowledging the museum's role in combating uh, social inequality and promoting social equality and mm -hmm. so the article that we're actually starting with is from a book that um, he I guess edited pulled together put together yeah put together um, it's one of those fun books that it's seven authors and 18 different articles just kind mm -hmm. of like for your fun perusal. Um, and the book is Museums, Society, and Inequality by Richard Sandel. My favorite. <laughs> yes, um, and the... Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> and the article that we're reading uh, is Museums and the Combating of Social Inequality. Roles, Responsibilities, Resistance. 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 It's just... Uh, I, I think this is the article that inspired me to write my thesis. It was so on brand with everything that we'd been taught up to that point, but also just kind of like what I subscribe to. Yes. I remember you finding the little black book. And the little just... black book. <laughs> And just clinging on to it. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I legitimately had to check that book out three or four times. <laughs> because people would be like, oh, it's due. It's like, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I carried around yes. that book for like five months. Six I think months. so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> when I like a good book. Uh, can I let you in on a little secret? Mm-hmm. I bought it after uh, uni. Nice. <laughs> Aww. Um, I bought That's a cheaper cute. version off, you know, the internet. But still, it's the same book. It's the same book. Same book. The yes. internet is your friend. If you find a good book in university, uh, buy it. <laughs> yep. Support your, art, uh, your writers. Support your writers. And also yep. your library. So you exactly. can point to it and be like, oh, this old thing? <laughs> <laughs> but this one is a fun one for, um, for many reasons. Because essentially, it talks about um, all the different things that you can uh, accomplish with a museum. From both acknowledging your shortcomings 
to even mm-hmm. going so far as to create new strategies and new plans and new actions with um what's it called with uh checkpoints and with yes. uh um evaluation markers mm. and it's really helpful if you're trying to practically implement this kind of change yes so good and every museum should should strive to be more inclusive um yes i mean let's start with talking about the topic in general yes um so um museums while they are places of culture where people go to to view uh, art pieces and pieces of history and etc cetera, etc cetera, um they have been changing over time their their roles their uh expectations of museums and so on mm-hmm. and it started with um what was before it was just for the aristocrats to go to to view their the collections and all of that um and it was very one-sided and it was very elite elitist um but then it opened up to people and it's uh, everyone was allowed to visit um but now it's not just about going to the museum museum going to a museum is an experience and it should be available it it should be welcoming to everyone because yes. there's still this thing where people are intimidated by museums and they don't want to go because they think they don't know enough to go there or um how everything is constructed looks very uh, intimidating and not uh, welcoming in any sense so people who do want to learn more but are not are uh, scared by these institutions that work uh, to only promote themselves to people who are academics Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it shouldn't be like that and this article argues that uh, museums should create spaces where everyone will be welcome and, and to engage communities and to um, heal people in some sense or help them out in some sense or just be there to support them, you know? Yeah, and the big thing is that a lot of the actions or inactions done by museums are largely done subconsciously. Yeah. They're not, they, especially in our 21st century environment where they have to compete with other institutions for visitors. It's not like they're yeah. the only interesting thing in a 10 mile radius that you have to go to because what else are you going to do on a Saturday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's um, it's really developed into a, they are trying to appeal to you. And they are trying to appeal to you, the audience member, in a way that, like, 
that would attract you but also stay true to their mission and the problem with that is that they haven't updated their missions and they haven't updated their Mm -hmm. their values and their identity since their inception and some of them are newer than others and you can actually tell like newer museums have it easier when it comes to adapting and changing and being inclusive quote-unquote inclusive um Mm -hmm. Whereas older institutions have a harder time with it because they're no longer competing with just like perception, but also their history. Um, It's, it's kind of an issue. And it's also a fascinating study because of the fact that like, why are you trying to be inclusive? Um, when when museums became a concept, it was either because a private gallerist or a private collector took its like took their cabinet of curiosity. We'll do a whole episode on cabinet of curiosities, mm-hmm. but um, they took their collections and they took their knickknacks and they took their fine art and they took their centuries or years or decades mm-hmm. of collecting. And they turned it into something that people could come and see. Um, yes. And it evolved around... Well, it evolved... It, evolved <laughs> it came about from a couple of different ways. In France, most notably, they killed a king for it. <laughs> and then they took yep. his entire collection and they made it public. <laughs> so there's that. Yep. But also... One way to do it. But also, the circus came about. Hmm. And the circus was all about having exhibits, quote-unquote exhibits. And in that kind of entertainment, fun, over-the-top kind of educational, mostly this exotic and and mystifying come one come all type thing and so that was wild and so museums were kind of built to compete with that you know you have your um oh there's there's one famous one that i can't remember the name of right now that essentially um did you know, actually, uh, P.T. Barnum yes. originally started off the whole circus thing by running museums? Really? Yeah. Um, I think, Okay. Uh, while Greatest Showman is a trash movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, they kind of show it in that that's how he starts off trying to get money, is he's building this museum mm. and that starts his whole desire to collect and create a zoo which is also like technically a museum if you were <laughs> you know if you're splitting hairs it's technically a museum <laughs> um it could be debated but his zoo his his aquarium his uh his cabinets of curiosity, all of that 
developed and created this massive zoo. I'm sorry, museum. And, well, yes, also, well, more like a circus, but anyways. Um, and But that's actually, that's those are the beginnings. It's just people who come together and they're like, oh, well, I want a museum. I'm going to show things to people and I'm going to charge money for it. And people are going to come and see it because what else do they have to do? <laughs> which is... Yes. Which is a lucrative business model. <laughs> oh, for but, its time. For its time. But it also just kind of like sh- goes to show you that people are drawn to stories and people are drawn to objects and people are drawn to experiences. And so that's what museums try to capitalize on. They try to show you things that you're interested in or could potentially be interested in and seduce you into buying some things from the gift shop because what else do you have to do with your time? No. And clearly that only works so well for so long. Yes. And so your audience in true in true fashion then starts to demand more of you. Because if you're trying to appeal to an audience space, either for their money or for their attention, you have to give them something that they're, that they're craving, that they're after. Give the people what they want. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what this article gets into. That's why roles, responsibilities, resistance is so essential to like talking about combating social inequality because as agents like social agency is being moved more from like the abstract concept of like yeah people have the right to do things yeah they can have a voice and it's actually becoming we're implementing policies that allow for these people to feel welcome in this museum because we're allowing for ramps instead of just staircases. We're installing an elevator for people who can't climb stairs. We're, uh, we're installing braille text or we have touchable art, like things that are, that promote accessibility But that is where I want to be careful here. Being accessible does not inherently mean that you're inclusive. No. And there are so many museums that think that just by installing a service elevator, they're helping their community. Yeah. It's like, well... What Sandel really gets into in his article... Um, and what he focuses on mostly um, is how museums uh, can impact the lives of uh, people um, as individuals and also communities mm-hmm. by uh, putting on either exhibitions or discussions or workshops or whatever uh, about topics that are not generally talked about in museums Um, touching on uh, I don't know discrimination, racism um, unemployment or uh, disability or 
etc. By addressing these things uh, and many, many other more things. Um, And and being, um, how do I say this? Going with the time. Yes. Not specifically, uh, for example, doing uh, uh, an exhibition about political parties, but more about how people's uh, thoughts have changed over the years and how their views and how, in general, not uh, minor things that will change really soon, but more bigger things of how people some people have become more accepted now people are looking at this they're talking about um appropriation etc and all of these they, they should be talked about in museums and this is essentially what he um points out the idea that sendel really wants to drive home with all of this is that museums aren't neutral Yes, and this exactly. whole idea of neutral spaces and clean exhibitions that don't offend people makes no sense because museums in are time. inherently political because with what they're showing and what they're doing they're taking a stance and if you yes. want to talk about the evolution of the Democratic Party like it's an introduction to uh, Congress then yeah hmm. okay You've talked about a political party, but you're not showing what those parties are doing for and against people. If you're not showing like where in its evolution it shifted from a conservative view to a liberal view, and then what does that even mean? And where are other global examples of this? Or or talking about... Um, works of art that have been stolen essentially like Hmm. you can have a whole discussion around parts of your collection that have been acquired illegally (laughs) to put it mildly um or talking about that concept in general or to talk about you know like there are so many things that make curators and directors really uncomfortable yeah but those are the things that should be pursued and those are the things that should be discussed because it's so inherently important to your audience because if you can admit that you've done shitty things in your past then you're you know you're opening yourself up for that kind of vulnerability and that kind of trust, which builds relationships. Exactly. (laughs) You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be this like pinnacle, classy institution. And that's what Sandel is saying is that the majority of what people are trying to interact with isn't the institution. It's the people. It's the objects. Yeah. And these really whitewashed, baby's first introduction to artifacts is kind of dull honestly yeah i mean um to us it's dull (laughs) 
Well, but even like as just consumers of museum content, you know, as people who go to museums and have worked in museums and have like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spoken with museum professionals. And I I don't think we're like a rare breed of people who want the museum experience to be better. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I think we we're just we're in a position where we could and should and will implement change in museums. But if you don't know where you need to start, then it's difficult to like I'm sorry, yeah. but the the traditional white box approach is all well and good if you know what it is you're looking at and if you know what it is that you're approaching with and if the museum makes no effort to introduce you to that space whether it's through their education programs or through lectures or through online series or for things that can prepare you in a meaningful way then you're going to continue to have people i'm getting really preachy right now but it just pisses <laughs> me off so much <laughs> because like <laughs> Because I do genuinely feel these things. What? Yeah. Yeah. Go right ahead. Why not? (laughs) Preach, sister. Preach. But it just—it gets me so worked up sometimes. (laughs) And that's—and that's the hard thing, right? Is because then you turn around and you go, museums need to change. And for people who have successfully mastered the art museum, for example, Hmm. they don't want it to change. Or rather, they're more hesitant for it to change, even as visitors. Because that means that the way that they've currently figured it out will no longer apply. And that's tough. But, but I, would, I would ask you, listeners, right now, to ask people in your life, or to ask yourself even, when was the last time you genuinely enjoyed a museum experience? Or when was the last time you went to a museum? You know? Mm. Obviously, quarantine aside, that's difficult. But even before <laughs> that, like, uh, I, I genuinely, I think the last time I was in a museum was in October? No. Yeah. For me, the same-ish. You know, like, yeah. I'm into them, but I don't go often. And the ones that I go to are either the ones that, like, I live next to or I'm trying to get a job at. <laughs> but, but that aside, but that aside, but that aside, because that's not... Hmm. But, but, it's tough for me to go to museums that I don't think are trying to engage with audiences of all levels. Um. Hmm. I grew up in D.C., right? And the Smithsonian Institution was my favorite, like my all-time favorite introduction to museums because not only was it like six or seven really different museums right next to each other, but they were also all free. And Mm. they had different text and different exhibitions and different visuals and different um you know playthings that either worked for children or were for adults but melded it in rather nicely and rather neatly and you know sometimes 
to have so many disparate things in one spot really inspires you. But like art museums are tough because they're operating under this assumption that they don't need to be that they don't need to be accessible because it's art and art isn't accessible you either get it or you don't and it's like what kind of bullshit (laughs) what kind of literal nonsense are you opposing like are you espousing right now because like you don't need an art history degree to appreciate an art museum in fact, no. you shouldn't have <laughs> to to appreciate an art museum because art isn't about oh it's pretty oh uh uh I'm trying to think of an artist and I've officially forgotten every artist who's ever existed. You don't need to look <laughs> at a Vermeer and be like oh my god it's Vermeer like I do. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because all I'm playing is how many artists can I recognize without reading the card? Exactly. Exactly. That's a Rubens. I know that one. (laughs) Velasquez painted that one. I'm so talented. And it's like, yes, but. But also. (laughs) But also. (laughs) I mean, it's it's all about experience. It's all Uh, about experience and making the experience your own. Yeah. I mean, in our in our uh example that we're going with now are pieces uh, doesn't matter who they're by even if it's like someone no one's ever heard of or if yeah. it's someone who everyone loves and adores as long as it uh has an effect on you and uh, makes you experience something um either a feeling or another or a thought or uh anything to be honest yeah. Um, and as long as it impacts you and maybe adds something to your life, that's what matters. Um, and sure, right now we're talking about art, but if you get more uh, broad and back to the article, uh, what it really talks about is um, ba- basically Sendel brings up uh, three ways in which museums can affect their their audiences mm-hmm. um in three levels so on the individual level on the community level and society level this is very very broad of course um yeah. he, he um he says stuff like on a personal level, it can be something like like an art piece, for example, if it uh, if it changes your perspective or has a psychological or emotional effect on you, as well as maybe workshops held by museums can enhance uh, your skills or your beliefs or whatever. And uh, these are like individual stuff. Um, and then community mm-hmm. stuff is more like uh, how um, how museums could, for example, change uh, one's outlook on 
something or make them look at it from a different perspective, which affects how people view communities or how, yeah, you get what I mean. Or what becomes your cultural landmark or what people think of when they think of art from that place or, you know, like a global perception even about the piece. Like um, when you think of the David, think of Florence. Mm. Right? It's just Florence, right? It is Florence, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Shit. (laughs) Um, Or the Mona Lisa, and you think of Paris. Yeah. Um, And buildings actually also play a huge role in that. Like, if you think of the Sydney Opera House, you really, like, if you see those sails, you can really only (laughs) think Sydney. True. Or if you see the Golden Gate Bridge, you can really only think San Francisco stuff like that like it's it's really easy to think about from a societal perspective if you're thinking about like cultural touchstones but even like what defines the values of your community and what defines the values of your society and what defines your beliefs you know yeah like, where do you find beauty and where do you find peace and where do you find understanding and where do you find, like, a space that you can interact with and engage with and challenge? Because that is the key thing here, is that it needs to be something, it needs to be a space and it needs to be a concept that people aren't afraid to challenge you need to adopt it so much so that when it pisses you off, you call it out. (laughs) And that's with all things, but specifically museums would benefit, I think, museums would benefit if the communities that they lived in actively engaged with it and challenged it and said, why does it matter? Why do you matter? (laughs) And then force the museum to matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that they can point to their list of achievements and say, well, we work with these nonprofits in your local community to bring art to classrooms that have lost art funding. Or we provide free tours to primary school children. Or we offer discounted family guide like family memberships that you can bring up to six people with you to engage with the collection da, 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 da. you know like doing things that would allow for more people to to go into the museum to start younger i know a lot of people <laughs> i know a lot of critique around museum is like oh But the children are there. I don't want to see children. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. They're important. They belong there. Because if you don't start young, then like, (laughs) then you have a tougher time trying to fall in love with it when you're older. This isn't something that you wait till marriage to engage with. This is something that like the sooner, the sooner you can get into a museum, the better off you are. And not just like, oh, well, 
then you're going to grow up to be a pretentious art snob. Probably. <laughs> but at least you can engage with the art that you're seeing. And you can refer back to it as like this historical moment in your life. Or better yet, if it's so mundane to you that going to a museum is like second nature, then it's so but it's so it's 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 <laughs> it helps you it benefits you it's not a bad thing to love to read and it's not a bad thing to love to be in art museums and it's not a bad thing to be a creative and to engage with your creativity and to ask story ask for stories and and challenge the things that you're looking at yeah. and that's what you know because that's how you construct equality as Sandel says, you know, it's it's one of these things that there are different ways that you have like that you do engage with pieces. And one object, one painting means something completely different to you than it does to the person standing next to you. Yeah. But that discussion that happens between you two, or that discussion that happens when you go online later and you talk about the art and you feel comfortable enough to talk about the art because you've adopted it and you have a community that wants to engage with you about it, whether it's the institution itself vis-a-vis -vis their Instagram, because wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, that, anyways. But, but then also to have like, to allow, I don't know, it's just, I, I was super lucky growing up, I think, yeah. in that Me I too. had parents who cared about arts and culture, yeah. who like, you know, and even growing up, we, we never had to like it, per se, um, or we never had to participate with it in every single way that our parents did. But we did have a chance to be exposed to it. And because we were exposed to it, we could develop an opinion towards it. And it never felt like a competition to see how much you could learn or how much you could know. And in fact, you could find it boring. Um, it took... Um, for example, I decided to be... <laughs> the most creative in my family. So I listened to, um, I went with my father to operas and I participated in theater and mm -hmm. I'm in the museum's and studies heritage field and I got an art history degree and I paint and I draw and I write and I sculpt. But that's because that's what I like about it. I like the physical doing, going, attending, participating aspect of it all. Yeah. And because there are so many options and because I have a support system that says, yeah, go for it. Whatever you want. Have fun. Do it. Then I can. And that's privilege. And that's a sad thing to admit that's privilege because it's it comes from a societal norm that says that arts and culture isn't important. Yeah. To cut funding for art classes or to cut funding for music classes, despite the fact that arts and culture, like arts and music and history and all these things are what allow us to decompress and allow us to express ourselves in ways that no other 
medium allows for us. Yeah, it's something and to release your creativity and uh, maybe uh, even use it as a tool to get to know yourself better and etc cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, It's a way that is so deeply intimate and yeah. And it's cut away from so many people because they're either told, well, why are you drawing? You're not going to be an artist. Fuck you. <laughs> or, or why are you singing? You suck at it. Fuck you. Uh, let me enjoy life, please. Thank you. Let me, let me live my goddamn life. <laughs> and also, let me go to museums. And let me go to mu- like libraries. And let me support my local gardens. <laughs> And let me be in nature and let me be around things that make me feel good because they're pretty or because they're weird or because they're edgy or because, you know, and that's what museums offer in like a very small way. But that's what they offer. They offer these spaces that are accepting of your the entire range of human experience and not really because it's very limited and it's entirely based off what the curator says it does <laughs> but it's a start or it's what they should offer and what they should strive to do and they should strive to be as welcoming to pe- as many people as possible and not um fall into the lines of the past mistakes the museums have made uh for example excluding people and making them feel inferior because they weren't blah blah uh they weren't either educated enough or whatever it's like stupid thing but it's also it's also accepting that like as an institution you are going to have to take a stand and you're going to have to avoid this concept that you are a you are a neutral institution um we saw it in germany of like this cultural this this push for cult institutional neutrality where you're only stating the facts and nothing else yeah but you can't uh really go like that anymore not in this world not when everyone wants to know your opinion and and wants to know where you stand otherwise they might not attend because they it's like you're distancing yourself by doing this you're distancing yourself from your audience from the people who want to come there and get to know these uh, exhibitions in the museum and the thing is, there is not a lot of research done on how uh, these programs that are more inclusive and more um, more open to people, how, how they affect people. There's not a lot of research done about that, but um, there but should be. There should be, of course. Uh, but the thing is that uh, there are is an obvious improvement in how, uh, for example, from what these people say when they go to exhibitions that, for example, uh, represent their cultures in, a, in an appropriate way or um, represent someone else's culture and uh, beliefs and make you uh, aware of it better and uh, 
educate you on certain things that you didn't know before. And by doing that, your mind is more open now to to accept these people better or to treat these people better, etc. Um, mm -hmm. And museums, uh, while they uh, they can be institutions that can help people, and I think that a museum, every museum, should strive to be uh, as beneficial to their audience as possible, and be that with workshops for um, for people who are unemployed or um to mm -hmm. to to make them learn new skills or uh for uh people who are visually impaired or blind uh, to uh get a get uh, be a part of a community and uh there are a couple of examples in in this article that are uh, beautiful and uh, I would recommend everyone to read it because um we are talking very broadly about it and we're um mentioning some some parts of it but we're more talking generally and uh adding our yeah. own our own twist to it uh but basically museums should take up a voice and use it to help their viewers and their visitors and in any way they the can. The beautiful thing about it is that it is such a such a institutionally autonomous mission. We're speaking about this like every museum in the whole world should be inclusive, but yeah. inclusivity looks different to every institution. Exactly, yeah. And that is the freedom behind it because not everything needs to be the same and not everything no. needs to operate in the same manner and not everyone needs to reach the same audiences and not everyone needs to show the same things. We're not saying that. The beauty is having the diversity of options and the diversity yeah. of approaches and that like nuanced manner that only your institution can offer or that your institution offers better. And that is like, the, the bed of this, you know, mentality is that everyone can do this. They just need to do it their own way. Yeah. And that's less scary, I think, than saying everyone needs to be, that needs to include a hundred different people from a hundred different cultures, you know? Yeah. I mean, it I mean, is... Should, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is scary, but... Uh... Change is meant to be scary. Sure, it's gonna take a minute to to come up with new ideas or to adapt and everything. But what what's the point if you're not moving forward and if you're not being your best self, right? Yeah, you have to. It's it's also helping. To tackle those like specific, or how does he call it, the specific manifestations of inequality. <laughs> <laughs> because like, you don't know what you don't know until you see that you don't know it. Yeah. And that can be really intimidating. Exactly. And, you know, like, 
I'm sure, I mean, I walk into exhibits all the time and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know what this artist is. I don't, (laughs) you know. Mostly contemporary art exhibitions. So it's not like you need to know everything when you go into it. Yeah. No, you don't. Um, And there have been a lot of exhibitions I've been to where it it is apparent that this exhibition was made for people who know these artists. Yeah, And that kind of mentality, even if I know the artist or I do not, is not very encouraging for a lot of people. And it's even more exclusive and, um, yeah, it doesn't promote anything good for, if, if you want to, for example, broaden your audience or bring in more people, it just makes you look more, um, elitist and discriminatory well when you offer like part of the story as opposed to the whole story and you think that's going to be enough and it's like yeah but I studied this artist I know for a fact that he's not like a good man so I don't know why we're trying to pursue him as a good man are you talking like are you talking about Picasso (laughs) Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> the man was a monster. <laughs> or fucking Gauguin, even. Anyways, it's just like there's so many artists that have been like celebrated as fantastic artists. Yes, fine, fantastic, cool, great, awesome. Yep, great. There are fantastic, sure. Yep, cool. But like, you can't then lie to me and say that his work is. Truly magnificent. He was an outstanding in... Fuck you. (laughs) I think that's a different topic. (laughs) I think that's a different topic. But also... (laughs) But we can do an episode about it. Or when you go into museums where the artist isn't necessarily like on the surface, clean cut, perfect. Um, Van Gogh, for example. Yeah. Going into his museum... Or talking about his collections, so many exhibits glaze over the fact that, yeah, by the way, he was mentally ill. And yeah, by the way, he probably killed himself, question mark. Anyways, moving on. It's like, but wait, why are we glazing over important parts of his history? Yeah. Like, why won't you take the stand and make a decision? Is it because you're afraid of being too controversial? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm sorry, you're the one doing the exhibit. If you're not willing to engage with the fact that some people are curious about how this young man died. You know, Van Gogh Museum. Uh, yeah. Initially, it it didn't talk about the fact that Van Gogh cut off his ear, and oh, they hid that. That little chestnut. Yeah, no, they didn't talk about it at all. They didn't talk about it until recently like a couple of years ago they started to yeah. bring that uh, into their exhibitions and actually um not f- focus on it but just talk about it at least or uh yeah it's just um uh, yeah i mean there's so many examples of it and the problem is that like a lot of the things that they're glazing over are the sad things yeah uh for example, at the last museum I worked at, they, um, which was a maritime museum, they talked about 
uh, immigrants, mm. right? And in Australia, children were often sent to colonize the, the new Commonwealth nation. Mm. And the problem with that is that, you know, these are kids and they're traveling and that's all well and good, but sometimes they were just taken from their families. and put on boats and sent to this farm where most of them, a lot of them, were abused in one way or another. Mm. Now, of course, the National Museum won't talk about that, but, like, it happened. Mm. You have their artifacts. You're talking about the institutions that have been claimed to be. You had a prime minister apologize to these children. So, like, why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't you making a big deal about it? Oh, well, it'll upset people. Good. It's upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) would you rather... I mean, they they do say ignorance is bliss, but but then you should be aware of history, and by by learning history, uh, you can build on it and not repeat the same mistakes. That's the whole point of history. (laughs) That is the whole point of history, uh, and, and you shouldn't be afraid of, of allowing yourself to learn new things, even things that have either that contradict your personal beliefs yeah. or challenge a way of thinking that you have or that radically support the things that you you know that you believe in, like and things that upset you and things that don't upset you and things that make you happy and things that make you sad. All of these things matter because they affect you personally. Exactly. Uh, It makes for a a critical discussion about the thing. (laughs) And typically because you can then write an angry letter to a curator being like, I was upset that you didn't include these five things. And (laughs) as long as they're not horribly bigoted. How dare you put a woman on on the wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Sure, sure. Yeah. I think that's also a, a big thing. Um the whole idea of being inclusive doesn't actually mean to include everybody. Even that's like the oxymoron of the century. It's it's to use the mentality of you are fighting inequality. And you are fighting the the systems that will perpetuate it. So if that means that up until like three years ago, your museum, or, you know, up until now, your museum accepts Nazis, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> you probably shouldn't include Nazis. Probably. I'm going to make that hot take right now. Don't include Nazis. Well, unless it's a historical museum and you want to talk about the fact that they existed, which is which is okay. But even that is too neutral. Yeah. In my opinion, like just being like, and by the way, Nazis. Like, excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) Depends on how you. We're gonna we're gonna stand here and tell me that the Nazis just did things. (laughs) Uh... They had breakfast. (laughs) They ate and they... Pro- yes, of course, the human element of it is essential. But they still did 
<laughs> global atrocities. I'm sorry. It's just like it's this thing of like you can't you can't approach it neutrally. You have to take the stand. And that is the hard part because for the longest time and even some institutions today claim that they are neutral and they aren't. And they aren't. You're not neutral. None of this is neutral. <laughs> no. And it's understandable that some uh, that Yes. A lot of institutions uh, back down from uh, being taking a side or whatever, um, but like like uh, we said earlier, it's not about small things like something that will disappear in a year or two and won't matter. It's about how society changes their views over time and how that is important because then your audience is also changing and what they need is also changing and what they want to see is changing so you if you want to stay relevant and if you want to to stay afloat in this very very troubling economically uh, troubling to say the least uh, to say the least time then you have to adapt and you have to learn new new ways to 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 be there for people and to to support your your audience and to support uh, your staff even yeah and a lot um like for example some of the some of the exhibitions that are put on that just the staff members who have studied art history and who have studied education or, or whatever they might not be aware of, they hire staff from different uh, fields of studies, hire, mm -hmm. hire people who you're doing the exhibition about or uh, or ask ask their opinions or do a f like further research and just just be involved and people will see this and people will will support this and they will view the the museum as on their side which is something we all need to be honest we all need someone in our corner and if museum is uh something a place that we can go to and is is offering us a community that that will be on our side then it'll be so much more valuable to us and when it comes and if it, if the time comes and said museum is in trouble these people who you've built the community around they will come and they will help and they will support and spread the word and maybe even keep you from uh i don't know closing down or something bad happening yeah. or whatever and yeah it's just important to keep these things in mind and try to be as open to as many people as possible in any way you can um uh, and when the people see that you are actively trying to change and you are actively trying to be engaged with them and show them that uh you care about them or uh yeah they will they they will see this immediately and they will appreciate this and they will be by your side when you need them
Oh, yeah. now I'm out of breath. <sighs> yeah, that's the thing is that this just, it's such a powerful and fun and engaging and, and, and like inspiring <laughs> concept and topic. Yes. But, but it only works if people are willing to change and people need to be willing to change in order for any of this to work. So that's exactly. why I'm saying you, the audience, have more have more voice than you think you do. Yes. And, and you need to use your voice. Yeah. Make yourself be heard. You know, and uh, here at BiWAP, we... Uh, we support be gay do crimes. Yes. So <laughs> take that as you will. Just uh don't do what they're doing in the Netherlands and steal paintings. Yes, That's please. probably not. No. It's not good. It's probably not for the best. <laughs> if you haven't seen that article, please look it up. Someone literally has broken it was um <laughs> I think we'll talk about it at some point. But uh essentially somebody stole paintings because that's what they thought was the best option for quarantine wow is this the van gogh painting that was stolen or is yeah. It the... yeah apparently it was a really shitty job they just got away with it because no one was around <laughs> yeah because all the security is at home quarantining <laughs> you jerks <laughs> anyways we'll talk about it later but i yeah, just yeah. Know, there's there's so much and there's so much to think about and so much to talk about, and I understand that it's overwhelming. But I think, especially as museums uh, reopen or as they take their galleries to online spaces, use the power of many and use your individual voice to, to implement change that you want to see. Not that the institution wants to see, but that you want to see. Yeah. And then hold them accountable to it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Sandal writes a great article, and the whole book is like this. And it's just like, yes. Yes, I just want to see change in the world, Sandel. I want it. Just get your blood I want pumping. it. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me that change. Uh, yeah. And then you go into O'Neill's, like, the good enough visitor, and I just want to start punching things. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. We'll talk about more, and we'll do more articles. It's just... I think this is a great place for us to talk about, like, why social equality and social, like, and societal inequality is so key to the museum argument. Yeah. Because it's it's the systems that are in place that perpetuate harm and they shouldn't because they don't have to. Because they've literally they're they're only hindering their own mission. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we will take our we will take our space. Because that is who we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it all starts from everyone pitching together and saying, we deserve to be heard. And you will be heard. And we will make sure of it. Whether that means a baseball bat is involved or not.
<laughs> Probably it will be, to be honest. I will go to war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. fine. We're going that to is war. our roundabout approach of talking about the Sandel article, but it's very important. You should all read it. Yeah, it's a very fun article. Um, definitely worth your time and... I still don't know how to do an outro. We will have so much practice by the end of this. But... <laughs> Make sure to Again, follow thank you for us. Doing this with me. Of course, of course. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at BYWArtPod. And Twitter at BYWArtPod. And message and you can us. Email us at yeah. BYWArtPod at gmail.com. Yep. <laughs> All right. Perfect. This has been a fun topic. I'm very tired now. I'm going to go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Got fired up there for a moment. Yeah, heart rate was up. Yep. (laughs) It's what happens when you're talking about things you're passionate about. We should limit it to like once a month. (laughs) Yes. This is going to be bad for our heart rates. Our (laughs) cholesterol levels are just going to be through the roof. True, true. Okay. All right. right. We'll figure out an outro. Yes. This is the place where the outro will be in the future. So bye. (laughs) Bye.